Well, good morning. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church. Uh, for all the church family who are gathered online, um, we are going to have the opportunity to meet next week in person. And so really looking forward to that. But here we are today, uh, gathered online again, and uh, I just want to welcome you. If you're visiting with us, again, a warm welcome, and we hope that you can stay with us through to the end of the service today. And yeah, it's quite difficult, it's quite challenging when we're uh, sitting in our own homes. It's not necessarily the same, but looking forward to the times where we can come together and to really worship God the, the way that we're used to doing, because there's something about that. When we come together and we worship God, the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. And when we praise, God comes and lives in our praise, and something happens. And, and, and just that dynamic, we've so missed that over this last year, the way that God moves through that time. And so I'm looking forward to the days that lie ahead where we'll be able to come and, and, and do that again. But anyway, we're here today. I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to uh, worship together. Um, Sarah's going to lead us in a song. And thank you to Josh and Sarah for continuing to lead us. But let's pray, and let's really seek God's presence in the service today. Father, we just thank you that you have brought us together today. Father, we thank you that your life flows in us and through us. And Father, we want to come today, Lord, amidst the challenges, amidst the difficulties. And Father, I just my heart's desire is that we really worship you this morning. And Father, that we experience the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives today. Father, maybe for some of us in a fresh way today. And Lord, I, I pray that you'd come. Holy Spirit, we just invite you in these moments to come and to fill our hearts, to fill this space, to fill our homes. And Father, we just ask that you'd be with us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Okay, so let's just uh, hand over uh, to the guys and we're going to lead uh, uh, just in a song. And then we're going to look forward to, to Caleb reading from the scriptures for us. And then I'm going to share a word. So let's, let's just uh, engage as much as we can in the service.
Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. You know, that's probably true in my life. I had a great time when I was going out. I was playing in bands. It was magic. And then I think you come to a point far, things just start to feel really empty. And I tried everything that the world's got to offer. And the more I tried, the emptier I became. Living life empty without hope is not a good way to live. My mum and dad both went to church. I got sent to every club that was on the go, every boys' brigade, I went to Sunday school. So when I was 18, I'd been going to the same youth group for maybe six or seven years. All my friends were there, and it was just magic. But then, as so commonly happens at age, people start going out, going out clubbing, and just, that started happening with my friends. And Christianity, in your relationship with Jesus, only works if it's a two-way thing. And I got to the point then when I wasn't really reading my Bible, I wasn't really enthused as a Christian. I stopped praying, so probably my heart was quite hard. And I thought, nah, my friends are having a much better time than me, and I really miss them. So I just decided, nah, I'm going to just go and join them. <laughs> Things was really good, but I just had this overwhelming feeling that I was lost. I remember us one time we were in the band, we were driving to a gig in Glasgow, and it was a beautiful Saturday, and I remember looking out the window in the back of the car and just thinking, there has to be a God. I was seeing all the hills in Scotland, and it was just a cracking day, and I thought, there's no way this earth was created by accident, and there has to be a God. And then that takes me back to everything I'd been taught in Sunday school, and I knew that if there is a God, then that we are lost, and that we need a saviour. And at that point, I really started to think, man, I need to get my life right with God. But I would come so close. I'd always come so close, and then something would happen, and then it would just derail me, and I thought, no, no, I will sort my life out, but not right now. And I remember I would be on nights out, and I, got, I came to the point where I'd be on a night out, and all I wanted to do was speak to people about God. I'd be like, do you think God's real? And I really believe it. And uh, a few events happened in my life that just left me kind of on my knees. And I knew I needed Jesus in my life. And this one Saturday night, I was one of, one of my friends and he was just saying, come on, it's time to get your life right again. So I remember we were on Cruden Bay Beach and I remember that night I just prayed to God. And I says, God, I know you're real. I'm sorry for the life I've lived this past few years. And as I was on that beach, this rush of peace came upon my life like I've never, ever felt in my life. It was better than anything I'd experienced in the world. And I knew at that point that I'd, I'd made the right decision, that there was only one meaning in this life, and that was Jesus. In the Gospel of Matthew, and it speaks about these two guys for building houses. And one of the guys builds his house on sand, and one of the guys builds his house on the rock. And I've tried both. I've built a house on the sand for a few years. And our life was just empty. And it's as if it was washed away. And then later when I decided to build my life on the rock, Jesus, it's solid, it's sure. It's the only life to live. When I was 16, I left school. I had no idea what I was going to do in my life. I had dreams, and now I have a secure job to be in a church that I absolutely love, to have a wife that is so much better than I deserve. I'm in a band that I love being in, and God has just opened up so many doors for us. Life is just so good. If I truly believed that after this life, there's a heaven and a hell, I knew where I wanted to go. So then I had to ask myself, what do I need to do to get her? And I think there's so many people who are just putting it to the back of their mind, thinking that maybe when they're older, they'll maybe sort herself out with God. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. The life that God can give you is better than any life that you can try and work out for yourself. 
I know the meaning of life, and it's Jesus. Second Kings chapter 4 verse 1 to 7 The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go round and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one, but he replied, There's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So I just want to say thank you to Sarah and to Josh. Um, just love that song, love the words of that song. Uh, just so full of meaning and I'm looking forward to when we can come and sing that together. Thank you also to Caleb who has read so well for us the scriptures from Second Kings and we're going to be sharing from that in just a little minute. And just to remind us that next week we'll be able to gather in person. We will be limited to 50 people. The church booking system will be up and running and can I encourage you to get booked in? Don't hold back this was the case when we were running services before, is that people would hold back and they say, oh, I just thought I'd give somebody else a chance. It helps me to know and it helps us to know who all wants to be here on a Sunday. So if the Sunday service is full, you can go into the reserve list. And if the reserve list is getting filled in, it, it helps us to know that we need to do something about that. And so please can I encourage you to either get booked in or, or to uh, go into that reserve list if the booking system is full, okay? So don't hold back and, and just get yourself uh, booked in. And I hope for those who were at the Flourish uh, Coffee Morning on Zoom yesterday that you had a great time to catch up with either, each other. Even just seeing people's faces is, is something uh, in these days. And so we really need that. Uh, Monday morning at 9.30, we'll be praying together again on Zoom. The links are already out there. If you don't have that, just let us know and we'll get that out to you again. And on Wednesday night at 7.30, uh, again, we'll be praying uh, on Zoom. And today, I just want to think for a short time, um, going into this passage in Second Kings, and the title of what I want to say today is Empty Jars Are an Opportunity. And I want to just pause around that for a little time this morning. Um, not a long message, I hope, um, but hopefully I, I just feel God wants to, to, to speak some things into our lives through this message today. So let's just pray. Father, we, we know that we need you. I know that I need you today to, to bring this message. And Father, we pray that your spirit would be present in the speaker and the listener alike. Lord, we want to hear your voice. We need to hear your voice because, Father, your words are life to our whole being body, soul, and spirit. And Father, we know that we need your words in our lives in order to live, and especially to live the way that you want us to live. Lord, we confess that we fall short sometimes, but we ask that you would come and that you would fill the empty space in our lives. Father, that you would be the one who's predominant in our lives. And Lord, as we think about this message from Second Kings, Father, we just pray that you would open our hearts to receive what your Holy Spirit would want to deposit in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I, I don't know, uh, this, this message is, is a bit of a follow-on from last week. Hopefully you were uh, able to tune in last week where we talked about the story of Elijah and, and the widow and how her son uh, had died and, and about God's provision for that family. And I was just thinking, you know, who, who do you identify with in the story from last week? I was just thinking about that. Do we identify with Elijah? Do we kind of put ourselves into the story and think, well, I would be Elijah in that story? Or, or do we think, well, I, I would be the widow in that story? You know, 
just up against it and you know in so much need or, or, or do we identify with the sun? Who do, who do we identify with? I don't know about you. I remember when I was a kid, you know, I, I used to emulate my superheroes. I don't know if you ever did that when you were a kid. You know, you'd maybe watch something on TV and when you're out playing, you'd be, you'd be trying to be that person when you were playing. I think there's, there's something in us where we identify with stories, we identify with superheroes. And, and I think, you know, if you look at the message last week, Elijah was like the superhero in the story. Actually, it's God that's the superhero in the story, and uh, I don't. <laughs> I would. I would hesitate to say that I identified with God ever. My goodness, uh, God forbid that we ever go down that road, because we're only human. But God, God is divine, and He's able to do incredible things. You know, I, I just kind of think about this this story that we, that Caleb's read for us today, and this, it's a story about Elisha. And in this story, Elisha he comes across as as the hero, man. What a guy Elisha was. And I just want to stop and think about him for a moment. You see, Elisha moved in the same power as Elijah, a prophet of God who lived in difficult times. Um, the, the kings of the time were just disobeying God. They were forgetting God's laws. They were getting involved in idolatry and all sorts of horrible and ter- terrible things. But we read about Elisha that when Elijah came to him and he put his cloak around him, it says that Elisha left everything. He left everything to follow the call of God. You read that in 1 Kings chapter 19. Just as 1 Kings comes to an end and 2 Kings begins, it's this handover period where Elijah hands over the mantle of responsibility onto Elisha, and he is there. And in 2 Kings chapter 2, there are three occasions where Elijah says to Elisha, you just, you, you just go off and, you know, you know th- this is my time. God's calling me home to, to heaven. This is my time. You, you just go off. And, and three times he says, he says, as surely as the Lord lives uh, and as you live, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. And Elisha was tenacious. He held on to Elijah for all he's worth. And if you've read that passage of Scripture, you'll know that he said, you know, the thing that I want most is a a double portion. So whatever you were doing, I want double. You know, whatever you had, I want double. And uh, yeah, I just found it really incredible. that here's Here's a young man who's passionate for God and who's hanging on to every word of the prophet, his mentor, the person who's leading him. And, you know, I just there's something about this story made me think about a conversation uh, from last year. We were at a meeting hosted by Yenka. For those of you who know Yenka, Yenka Oyekin um, married a girl from the church here many years ago. And uh, they now, now stay down in, uh, in Reading. And Yenka had been hosting this meeting and he said something that really stuck with me. And for me, it was really powerful. And he said... It's those closest to God that see the miracles. It's those closest to God that see the miracles. And when Yenka said that, something just kind of came alive in me. I was like, wow, what an amazing revelation. What an amazing observation. And I'll come back to that in just a minute as we think about Elisha and what he did. But I know that in order to see the miracles of God, we need to stay close to God. Elijah stayed close to God and he taught Elisha how to stay close to God as well. You know, Rick Warren said something and he said in ministry, private purity is the source of public power. And I have shared this whole thing before. We need to stay close to God and we need to make sure that our private life, our inner life is, is, is right and if that agrees with what we're saying on the outside, then we're in a good place. It's when what's happening inside of us differs from what's happening on the outside that we find this tension. And at some point down the road, we'll find that the, the, the train tracks veer apart and the train gets derailed. Not so with Elisha. Elisha stuck with Elijah right to the very end, and he received that double portion of Elijah's blessing and spirit, and he went on to move in the power of God as well. Let me also say that if we depend on our own strength, then we're not going to get very far. When it comes to the Christian life, if we are relying on our own strength and our own resources, then we're not going to get very far. Somebody once said, willpower is like a muscle. It gets tired with use. 
My goodness, you will know, I'm sure, what you mean. If it's all about mustering up strength and courage and our own willpower, then we eventually get tired and eventually things kind of fall apart for us. Instead, and here's where it's different for us as Christians, is that we need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit day by day. If you remember the message last week, it's the Holy Spirit in us who keeps us soft, who keeps us fresh, and who keeps us usable. The Holy Spirit is the source of our power, the source of our strength. And remember that Jesus was filled with the Spirit. He was filled to the brim. In fact, he was filled and overflowing. And if there's one thing that I've learned in ministry of any shape or form, we need to keep ourselves being filled in order to have something to give back out. But I want to just think for a little moment about this uh, message from Second Kings. Now, in the, the passage that we read, um, there are three kind of observations uh, that, that I made. The first one is the empty purse. And it's the story about a widow who is almost at the end of our resources. Again, this happened with Elijah. It's now happening with Elisha. Similar type of situation. And this is what the woman says to Elisha. She says, your servant, my husband. And I thought, what an interesting thing to say. That's how she opens this conversation with Elisha. Your servant, my husband, has died. He was one of the prophets and he was your servant, but he was my husband and now he's dead. And I don't know about you, but as I, as I read that, I just felt this sense of obligation coming upon Elisha as he must have heard these words. Your servant, my husband. Here's a woman whose house feels empty. Her husband has passed away and she's left with her two sons, but she's also left with a debt. And she has no means to pay that debt because her purse is empty. And I think about the days that this woman is living in very similar to what we talked about last week with the story of Elijah. She's living in a time where there are kings who are making bad decisions, bad choices, and those bad decisions are affecting everyone. They're affecting the righteous and the sinner just the same. And I think about the responsibility our leaders and government have to make good decisions. When they make good decisions, we all benefit. When they make bad decisions, it affects us all, whether we like it or not. And it's just so important that we pray for our leaders. You see, when we're living in an unjust society, then we're all affected by it. Even though we love God, even though we trust God, even though we pray, even though we read our Bibles, we're still affected by the society that we live in. We're affected by the culture that we live in. And we're not told what happened to, to this woman's husband. You know, even though he revered God... Something happened in his life. He found himself getting into debt, whether he had taken a loan from somebody or whatever that looked like. He found himself in debt and he left his family in a predicament due to the outstanding debt. And as I read this, it made me really think, I've been quite challenged by this. We need to live in a way that's responsible. God has made us stewards he calls us to be stewards of everything that we own, whether it's our finances, our homes, our health, whatever God has given us, he asks us to be good stewards of that. And that, that's the same with our finances as well. Stewards of what God has given us. And we need to take responsibility for the things that God has given us, whether it's little or whether it's much. And we need to be wise with the resources that God has given us. I think we need to make sure that we make provision for a rainy day. I don't know if you remember me saying this. Uh, a little consistently over time leads to a lot. A little consistently over time leads to a lot. You might think that the things that you're doing today don't matter very much. But if you're consistent in those little things, then over time it will lead to a lot. That can be finances, it could be our emotional health, it could be our mental health, it could be our physical health, it could be our spiritual health, it could be any number of things. That principle applies in life in so many different spheres. A little consistently over time leads to a lot. 
And that's the same when it comes to our finances. And, and, and that's what should have happened in this man's situation. But, but things didn't work out the way that he wanted to. And she comes and she says to Alicia, I've got this issue. I've got this problem and I'm looking for some help. And what is really interesting is that Alicia doesn't ignore the woman. And he says, what have you got in your house? And she says, nothing except. She says, I've not got anything. Oh, except I've got this small uh, container of oil. And I love that. I've got nothing except. She's either got nothing or she's got something. Well, she has got something, but it seems like a little. But a little consistently over time leads to a lot. But it's all a question of perspective. And I don't know about how you look at your life and how you look at uh, the way things are working out for you just now. It's so easy to focus on what you don't have rather than be thankful for what you do have. Pray over that and ask God to bless it as you use it. And how often we look at situations in our lives and we don't see them clearly. You know, some people are glass half empty people. We, we use this phrase pessimistic. You know, it's always like doom and gloom. I think of that guy from Dad's Army. I'm not going to say it again. Some people are very optimistic. They are always looking at hope and hopeful ways about the future. Um, but here is a woman whose purse is empty. And Alicia says, what have you got? And she says, I've got nothing except, nothing except. The second thing that I wanted to just draw out from this passage is that she had to empty her hands. Her sons had to empty their hands so that they could be filled. Elisha said, and let's, let's think about this, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars and don't ask for just a few. Easy to do that. And we can approach life like that where we have a, a problem or an issue and we can just do enough to get by. Alicia's saying, don't just do enough to get by. Go the extra mile. Get as many jars as you can. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the side. And I just thought it was interesting that they needed to empty their hands in order to get a hold of all these empty jars. You can see the picture on the screen there. Probably looked something like that, these clay jars, these clay pots. And I just think it made me think about Moses. You know, Moses was this guy who was brought up in the, the palace in Egypt. He must have thought he was something special. He was going to be the savior of his people. Um, and you remember maybe that story in Genesis, uh, sorry, in Exodus where uh, Moses, he killed an Egyptian slave master um, because he was mistreating one of his fellow Jews. Um, and, and, and he thinks he's, he must have thought, I'm going to be the man here. I'm going, to, I'm going to rescue my people, doing it in his own strength rather than in God's strength. And what happens? He has to run away and he finds himself in the desert where he tends sheep for 40 years. 40 years. And in that process and in that period of time, what happened to Moses was that he gradually became emptied so that God was in a position to fill him and equip him to do the task that he had called him to. I think we need to be empty before God can come and fill us and use us. And what did God say to Moses? We're talking about having empty hands. He said, well, what have you got in your hand? He probably said, nothing except a staff. And God used that staff as a symbol of his power by Moses being able to throw that down and it would change to a snake and then he'd pick it back up and it would turn back into a staff. It was the same staff that he held over the Red Sea and the waters were parted. What do you have in your hand? Nothing except. What do you have in your hand? Maybe God's asking you that question today. What do you have in your hand? And you're saying, I've not got anything except Maybe it's time to change your perspective and look at the accept. Look at what we do have and pray over that and ask God to bless that and ask God to pour out from that. See, in this case, in this story, the woman's and the son's hands were filled with empty jars. And I, I just want to suggest that empty jars are an opportunity. Empty jars are an opportunity. And when God is in the mix, miracles happen. 
You see, the woman began to fill uh, the empty jars. That's the scripture that I should have put up a wee second ago. Apologies about that. Empty jars are an opportunity. And, and, and here there's the woman gathering these empty jars, all these pots, as you can see. And she had one little flask of oil, and she would begin to pour the oil into these jars. She began to fill the jars. And the oil in her little flask it kept pouring out in, until all the jars were filled. And then once the jars were filled, the oil stopped flowing. Incredible. And sometimes we have this, I think sometimes we have this perception about miracles is that we pray about something and somehow God waves his magic wand and all of a sudden everything becomes okay. But as I read scripture, and it was Yenka's little thought that made me relook at some of the miracles that Jesus performed and understand that it's those that are closest to God that see the miracles. And understand as well that God doesn't always just work in some kind of arbitrary fashion. He often works through people. It was Elisha that gave the instruction to the women. It was God that performed the miracle, but Elisha was involved, and the women and her sons were involved. They had to practically do something in order to see the miracle happen. Just let me give you some examples of this from the New Testament. And the very first miracle that Jesus ever performed was the turning of the water into wine. And they'd ran out of wine at this wedding, and, and, and Jesus' mother says, well, you know, speak to him, he'll do something about that. And Jesus was saying, oh, it's not my time, but, but Mary kind of put some uh, in the center of the stage. And, and Jesus says to these servants, go fill those water uh, pots, big, big water pots, go and fill them with water. And they did that, and it was as they poured the water out that the water turned into wine. And I just found it really interesting that God uses human beings to perform the miracles. God is involved, and it's God that does the miracle, but he involves human beings in that. And this challenging thought came to my mind. When it comes to the miracles that we're looking for, are we just praying and expecting God to do something? Or are we listening to what the Holy Spirit might instruct us to do in order to see the miracle happen? In this case, when the master of ceremonies tasted the wine, he thought, wow, you know, most people use all the, you know, the good wine at the start and then they bring the rubbish stuff later on, but you, you've left the best to last. It wasn't just kind of any ordinary miracle. It was, it was excellent. Think about the story of the loaves and the fish when Jesus fed 5,000 people. And all these people are sitting on the hillside waiting. And, and, and the disciples, they come with this little lad's uh, lunch, you know, five loaves and two fish. And, and, and what happened is that as Jesus broke the bread and the fish and blessed it and prayed over it, and the disciples took it out to the people, that's when the miracle happened. It was as they put it into action that God came and met them, and the miracle happened. Human agency, but divine power. And let me say again, thinking about the wedding, uh, just to, to, to remind us of this, it was those that were closest to Jesus that saw the miracle. The other guests at the wedding didn't know what had happened, but the people who were close saw what had happened. Then the story of the loaves and the fishes, well, everybody kind of saw what had happened. That was maybe a little bit different. And then there's the healing of the blind man at the gate, beautiful. We spoke about that just recently in church. But it was as... It was as Peter reached out his hand and lifted the man up, it tells us in the text that that's when the life came into him. That's when the miracle happened. It wasn't just the words themselves. It was the response and faith to those words that brought about the miracle. And I wonder, I wonder if there's some of the things that we're praying for that God is wanting us to really listen and follow his instructions and say, this is what I want you to do. And as we do it, then we see the miracle happen. Divine intervention and human agency, both things working together. 
You see, when God is in the mix, miracles happen. And on all of these occasions, God is in the mix. These people couldn't have made this happen on their own. Let's just get this straight. But when God's in the mix, miracles happen. And I understand the difficulty when we're praying for things and sometimes we're expecting a miracle, we're believing for a miracle, and that miracle doesn't happen. That's a mystery. There's a whole mystery. There's an area of life that's hard to get a hold of. It's hard to understand. But I just think about this story of the jars. And I think about myself. I don't know how you view yourself. You know, we talked about that at the start. Are you, do you sort of want to emulate the superhero in the story, you know? Um, I sometimes think about myself being more like a jar. And there's a verse in Second Corinthians, which I remember reading years ago, and it really spoke to me. In chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In the miracle that I talked about, the man who was healed at the gate beautiful, everybody was astonished and, and they were amazed at Peter and John. And they began to say, oh man, these guys must be angels or something like that. And they says, we're just guys, we're just blokes like you. We just heard from God and we put it into practice. And I think about that. I think about this scripture. I think about the power of God that's able to work in us and through us as we step out in faith, as we're listening to the things that God is saying. And I get so encouraged to think that God can come and he can fill an empty jar like me. I don't know about you. I don't know how you feel. I sometimes think that's where I'm at. That's how I feel. I feel like an empty jar day by day. And I'm just saying, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Fill me with your words. Fill me with your power. Fill me with strength. Fill me with wisdom. Give me what I need today in order to do the thing that you're asking me to do. And empty jars are an opportunity. Empty jars are an opportunity for God to come and do something in those people. Those people who are saying, I'm empty, come and fill me. Sometimes we need to empty ourselves of the sinful desires that we have, the things that distract us from God, the things that would take us away from God, the things that would occupy our time, whether it's leisure, it could be work, it could be any number of things, the things that fill our lives. I think God is saying to some of us, we need to empty ourselves in order that he can come and fill us. And in the story that Caleb read for us, every jar was filled every jar, until there was no jars left to fill. And I think God is willing to fill every single person, every person, every human heart with the oil of his Holy Spirit. Remember we said last week that the oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And so even in this story, we look at uh, ahead to what happened on the day of Pentecost. I don't know about you, it's easy to become self-sufficient. When we think, I'm okay, I don't need God, I'm doing okay, thank you. And it's easy to be in that position, but things can change just like that. Things can change in a moment. And I think in those moments when things change and when the things that we were relying on in our security, uh, like the widow, when her husband was there, even though there was that debt, it was okay. There was a way to deal with that. But in a moment, her situation changed. And in a moment, our situations can change. And we suddenly go from being independent to becoming dependent. We, be, we can so easily be independent in our own lives. You know, I don't need this person. I don't need that person. I don't need the church. I don't need God. And then something happens and we need people around us. Things can change overnight. How did this end for the woman and her sons? Well, the jars were filled, and she went back to Elisha, and she said, well, I've done what you told me to do. The jars are filled, and, and, and uh, she, he, uh, Elisha says, go sell the oil and pay your debts. It's incredible. There's a miracle. There's, God's in the mix, and something happens, but there's actually 
a kind of practical, tangible aspect to this as well. She now has the resources to go and pay that debt. Her sons are safe. Her future is safe. And it says, you and your sons can live on what is left. What a miracle, eh? What a miracle. She had oil to sell. And it's also wonderful to watch the way that God works in this world. And here's the thing. It's only those who are closest to God that see the miracles. You know, we've seen miracles happen. But other people might think, ah, that would just have happened anyway. You know, that wasn't a God, you know. But it's only those that are closest to God that see the miracles. She now had the means to deal with her debt. And she also had the means to live beyond that. Her debt was cancelled and she lived beyond that. You know, maybe some people in here today are needing a miracle. Maybe it's a financial miracle. Maybe it's a miracle to deal with your debt. And maybe the solution, maybe the solution, maybe God's got the solution. You may be waiting for some miracle to come out of the blue, but God's got a solution for you. Can I encourage you to pray and to just really lean into God and listen to God for what he wants to say in that situation? You see, but there's also a parallel in this story because remember that the oil represents the Holy Spirit. And our, our lives are like empty jars, like these jars on this screen. And God wants to come and fill those empty jars. Jars of clay. We have this treasure and jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I, I just thank God. And I'm amazed sometimes that God wants to use me, but empty jars at an opportunity. And my prayer is that each one of us is filled with the Holy Spirit, every one of us, every day, until we're overflowing with the Holy Spirit so that we can be a blessing to others. What was it Jesus said to his disciples? We read it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Empty jars, empty clay pots, ordinary people, when God comes in and fills them, they have incredible and extraordinary power. I mentioned Peter earlier on. Think about Peter, the man who denied that he knew Jesus. And he had to deal with that with Jesus. And Jesus dealt with it with him as well. But when this moment came, when they were filled with the Spirit, Peter, along with the others, stood up and they spoke about God and they spoke about what had happened. And that day, 3,000 people were added to the church. What a contrast. An empty vessel that was filled by the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you have a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit today, that you invite God in. It's Jesus that gives us the Spirit, but we need to be willing to receive and to pray and accept the Holy Spirit into our lives. I'm going to pray in just a little second and ask you that if you want to receive more of the Holy Spirit, that you just do that today. I'll never forget the day that I did that. I was in Japan and uh, it was the end of a church service and I, I, I said to the preacher that day, guy called Victor from London. I said, I just feel that God's saying that you need to pray for me. And I was just sat there with my hands out, sitting on a chair. Victor put his hand on my shoulder and he began to pray for me. And something happened where the Holy Spirit came in in a, a fresh way. And it was nothing short of incredible and miraculous. An empty jar, an empty vessel filled with the Holy Spirit. God can do that for you today. And I just want to invite you that if you want to be filled with the Spirit, that you do that today. But just before that, I want to invite you, if you've never made a decision to become a Christian, you've never invited God into your life, then God can come into your life. He can fill the emptiness in your life. He can be the one that gives your life meaning, direction, and purpose. And so we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit comes in to you as well. So let's just pray. I'm going to pray for you first, and then we'll pray uh, for those who want to be filled with the Spirit as well. It's all, let, let's just pray uh, for, for everybody today. And so if, if you want to pray this prayer and repeat it after me. Dear God, I recognize 
that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I've wandered far from you. I recognize that there are areas in my life that feel really empty. And I confess that to you today. And I ask that you would come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make my life clean. Make it new. And fill this empty jar. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we just pray. We pray for everyone who's tuned into this service today. Lord, we pray that as we just hold out our hands, and Father, as we come before you, that you would send your Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh. Lord, we pray that you would come and that you would pour in the oil of your Holy Spirit into our lives. Father, that our lives might be fresh, our lives might be soft and supple, Father, that our lives may be useful for you. Father, we want to just be filled with the Spirit in order that we can be your witnesses where you have placed us. Father, wherever our Jerusalem is, wherever our Judea and Samaria is, Father, whatever it means for us to be involved in uh, being good news to those in the ends of the earth, Father, we pray that you would come and that you would fill us with your Spirit. And Lord, that you would lift us to that place and uh, where we can become useful in your service. Father, we want to just be used by you. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd come and that you'd fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if you've been impacted by this today, if you want more of God in your life, you need to just keep seeking him. Keep seeking. Seek, 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 and you'll find. You know, we've got to keep seeking. We've got to keep knocking. We've got to keep asking. Keep pressing into all that God has for you. And I'm looking forward to hearing stories about God moving and God doing miracles in our lives where the, the natural and the supernatural come together and we see God at work. Remember, it's those who are closest to God who see the miracles. Thanks to Yinka for that little enlightenment. Um, it really has impacted my, my thinking quite a lot. But the Lord bless you. And I just want to say have a great week and uh, hope that you know his presence and just press into all that God has for you. Get yourself booked in uh, for church next Sunday, and we look forward to us just gathering in person in the building again. The Lord bless you and take care. Bye. i mm-hmm.